Hey, welcome to the official podcast of St. Luke Amy Church located in Garland, Texas. I am Pastor Amos St. John. And I am Pastor Jasmine St. John. We are the lead pastors of St. Luke Garland. And we're so excited that you have decided to listen to this podcast. Listen, we pray that the message you are about to hear will bless you right where you are. If you want to know any more information about our church, you can visit us at stlukegarland.org. Now, get ready for the word. Good morning and God bless you. It is my extreme pleasure to be able to worship with you all today. I'm so grateful for the invitation from your pastor, Reverend Jasmine, and to Pastor Amos, and to all of the members of St. Luke AME Church all the way in Garland, Texas. It is my joy that we worship today um, on this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, Let us go to the Lord right now in the word, in the gospel according to John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Let us pray. God, we thank you for life. Now God, breathe into our lives fresh word, fresh manna from on high so that we might have what we need to get up from where we are. God, we thank you for power to preach. Now, Lord, we ask for you to move as only you can move. Speak, God, to us so that our lives can change. And we will be forever careful to give you all the glory, all the praise. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. For the next few moments that are both yours and mine, would like to preach from this topic, seeing is not always believing. Seeing is not always believing. My brothers and sisters, we have this great thing within our Christian tradition and a part of our faith that calls us to have belief belief in the power of 
the birth of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, the death of Jesus Christ, and his resurrection. It is within this moment of time when we, when Jesus came and walked on this earth and also resurrected from the grave that we believe is a part of our faith. The belief is so powerful and things, something that has not been um, understood by scholars and theologians and philosophers of how can we have belief in something we cannot always see. The power of believing can shape a child's identity, whether or not they can actually grow up into what they think that they are crafted or want to be. They believe something about themselves. When we learn about who we are and whose we are, we develop a mentality or a belief system that helps us shape our unique values and how we operate and move as people in this world. Belief is so powerful because it's not always based on the things we know, but oftentimes on the things we do not know. Someone would say that seeing is believing. And if you go down to Orlando uh, on International Drive, there is a museum. And that museum is not just in Orlando, but in other areas throughout the country. It's called Ripley's Believe It or Not. In that, in that museum, it's featured with many displays of curations of items where you cannot really believe it. You have to see it with your own eyes. Seeing people who have gigantic feet or those who are the tallest people on earth or whether or not a building can lean and be able to still stand. In that museum, you're able to bear witness to things that you have to see in order to believe. But sometimes, even though we can see it, doesn't always translate into belief. Sometimes seeing is not always believing. There are skeptics or that happens from all different types of life, all different paths of life, all from all different types of genres and topics. People are skeptic and have these this cynic belief system because they don't often believe it just because you say it. Skepticism is not something new because we see skepticism in many ways in our everyday life. Skeptics are often in the, in the realm of politics where those who would have a critical eye because the world has shown a different pattern of beliefs and facts that makes the, the moment at hand hard to believe. Some of those common skepticisms have been, even when we think about those who are in leadership, those who have been raised up for such a time as this. I remember even in my own short life, there was a time when we would say, oh, a man of color could never be president of the United States. There are many folks who did not believe that Barack Obama could even have a chance, but yet here we are. We have and have had the President Barack Obama to serve as President of these United States. There are skeptics who would even say sometimes that where this country is not ready for a woman to lead us. But here we are now as Kamala Harris serves presently as our Vice President, defying gravity, defying the skeptics and the critics who said it cannot be done, those who did not believe. There were also skeptics 
Even now that even think about how the conditions and the lives that we live where people are still beat down and killed at the hands of police. And we have to wonder whether or not people really believe that black lives truly matter. There are skeptics who are still wondering of whether or not women will have the value that they deserve and whether or not they'll be able to receive the, the wages and the, and the respect that they deserve because of their gender and wonder what, when the day will happen, when the ways that we identify will no longer matter. And so those skepticisms are somewhat real. And I don't shame them for having those skeptics because people are people. Some folks are even skeptic about relationships. You know those folks who will not even see a good in somebody else because of their past hurts, because somebody has broken their heart, because somebody was trifling and let them wrong and did them dirty. So every time they meet somebody, they see the bad in them before they see the good. They're skeptic because they are questioning and doubt because they don't trust that people will really do what they say they would do. Maybe you have not had a relationship. Maybe you are just a, just a regular somebody and people have been skeptical about you, skeptical because you didn't always have the good grades. You didn't always come from good stock. You didn't have the pedigree. But thanks be to God that the things that they believed about you are not even true. And I declare that maybe there's somebody who's out there listening right now and you are thankful that the skeptics were wrong, that even though they may have counted you out and, and not put you down and made you at the top of the list, that God did not believe the things that people were saying about you, that God still had you on God's mind. And God will sometimes elevate you beyond your critics and your skeptics because seeing is not always believing. Yeah, you may look like you don't have a lot of money. You may not look like you have it all together, but thank God that God does not see the way that man or woman sees, but God sees differently. See, seeing is not always just believing. And one of the biggest questions of skeptics that we have that has happened since the beginning of time is the skepticism around the existence of God. This is often referred to as epistemological form and in that they are focused on the epistemic or the outside standards of the status of certain beliefs. For example, one commonly idea of skepticism concerns our beliefs about the past and argues that such beliefs lack positive epistemic status. They can't identify or pinpoint where it is. It's not justified and it's not rational. It doesn't make sense. It's not comprehensive to our knowledge. Where skepticism doesn't have the epistemological focus, it sometimes has an ontological form. Well, what are you talking about? All these words is that sometimes, even though you cannot see it, it's all about the essence of what it really is. And, and what people have yet to be able to identify is that how can you believe in a God that you cannot see? God that you cannot necessarily go to around the corner, drive to one. Why is it that we operate and fashion ourselves as believers around an idea or a belief system 
that we have no real clue or factual evidence. Science cannot prove. Science cannot work through every theory or every idea to prove yet that God exists. See, the faith that we have, it extends beyond just the birth of Jesus Christ. I would argue that it extends even beyond what we witnessed on Good Friday and what we celebrate on Good Friday. And even when after Jesus yet is no longer there in the tomb. It's not just merely the fact that Jesus got up from the grave, but it's what happens the moments after and here we are in our text where we have, are looking at a story that has traditionally been argued around Thomas, who is a doubter. Thomas, who is a skeptic around what took place at the tomb, at the tomb that never belonged to Jesus in the first place. He, it's been a week post-resurrection and there have been rumblings of Jesus who is no longer in the tomb. And the people are saying that he is resurrected. Not just saying that he was resurrected because the body was not there. There are those who saw Jesus and heard the voice from the angel him themselves and they are telling and spreading the word that Jesus is no longer there, but he is risen. But the text says that Thomas was not there. Thomas was not there when Jesus first appeared, and yet Thomas is like some of the doubters. Some of the doubters who may have been called Gnostics and other beliefs, other groups that were trying to question whether or not Jesus was truly resurrected. Some people believe that someone has stolen his body and placed it somewhere else, and they're still trying to argue today to doubt and to be able to justify how can a man who they saw take his last breath a man that they saw prepared for a burial, placed in a tomb, sealed. How can somebody walk and move and get up from a dead space? Thomas, one of the called ones, one of the ones who walked with Jesus, one of the ones who saw the miracles of Jesus is not a believer yet. He doesn't take the words of those, the women and, and the men who shared the news of what Jesus had done, that Jesus was popping up in different places and he was moving like the walking dead or moving like um, any other, like ghosts and moving and operating in as a walking person who was dead. He did not believe it. And he did not believe the fact that Jesus had gotten up. Thomas like many of us or many people who doubt women and don't take them for what they are worth and take them for what their, their value has, he did not believe. And I am wondering why is it that Thomas, one of the ones who were called, did not have this belief. He, the, the disciples were already moving to decide how they were going to spread this gospel, the fact that their risen Christ is now alive and well. And they were charged with telling everyone that peace was available to them. But there was one who was not on board, one not ready to go to the next level. And let me stop right there and remind us that there are sometimes this is what happens when we are trying to move to what's next, that there will be people who were not ready because they were not there in the beginning. They were not there when the meeting was organized. They were not there when the ideas came to play and they stand 
on the sidelines. They, you know those people. They're the people who say that we cannot do all of that, yet we cannot purchase this item. We cannot do this event. We can't do this conference. We're not ready to go virtual. We're not ready to go hybrid because they have not seen it with their own eyes. There are those people who have to have the vision for themselves. They have to have their names right on it. They have to be there before the meeting. They, are, they can't just trust the words of everyone else. They are those uh, that we see in our crowds, in our congregations, in our families, on our jobs who are not ready to go to the next level. And at this point, Thomas, my brother, you're holding our brothers and sisters back. The movement of Jesus Christ was not meant to stop just at the fact that he appeared to the disciples, but they had more to do. They were getting ready because Jesus was just appearing and was only going to be with them for just a short while. And yet within this week, Thomas with his bad self says, well, I don't believe it. Come and show me for myself. Let me see the marks in his hands. Let me see the nails in his feet. I want to see it because his death was too gruesome. What Jesus had to go through was too hard. And I just cannot believe that Jesus got up and I didn't see it. So Thomas, Thomas, brother, why weren't you there? Why weren't you included? We don't know those things, but sometimes even when people are not included, we have to realize that we cannot leave them out on the outside. That there are some Thomases today in our world, and I want to redeem Thomas in this sermon because sometimes the skeptics in our society are not skeptics because they just don't want to believe. They're not just skeptics because they don't want to go to the next level. Maybe Thomas is dealing with some hurt. Maybe someone who was a part of Jesus' um, disciple ministry team did not value Thomas's ministry. We don't really know much about him. He just says that he was called along with the others. We just know that he was a fisherman. We don't know exactly what his assignment was, but Thomas at this point was just left out from when Jesus appeared. Thomas might be like those of us in, who serve in church who are not always valued because of our differences. They might not always be included and welcome because we don't talk or walk like everybody else. Maybe we don't wear the same type of suits or the three-piece suits or the collars every time and they don't think that we have a word. We don't, we're not suited and booted and stuck up like other people and sometimes they don't think that we have the value you. Maybe Thomas might have been the youngest disciple. We don't really know. But although he was not included, Thomas is still valued by Jesus because Jesus pops up and shows up in his house. Although he may have been kept out, left out, maybe he was burnt out. Thomas required the proof. And in this moment, we see Jesus do another miracle. He moves in behind a closed door and pops into the space. And at that moment, Thomas has what we call a curiosity and a moment where his belief systems are challenged. And what Thomas teaches us today is that we have to be mindful about what we believe and be mindful of skeptics because if we follow the skepticisms in our world, we won't get to where God wants us to be. We won't move towards the transformation and the, and the movement that God wants us to have. We will stop ourselves from what we are called to do. The first thing is that we have to remember that we cannot listen to the naysayers to shape our faith. 
See, the naysayers are often louder than those who know the facts. And they will be the downfall, my brothers and sisters, if you allow them to get inside of your head. If you listen to those that tell you that you don't have enough, that you don't have what's designed, what's designed and what's meant on the resume because everybody else has it. If you listen to them, then you will not go down the path that God really wants you to go. And you'll find yourself trying to fall into the path that others want you to, wanted you to follow. If you listen to the naysayers, you will find yourself being something that you are not. And if you listen to the naysayers, you will cause yourself to believe in people and not God. Because I serve a God that created me and knows every hair on my head, knows every luck and every luck that even has come out. And he knows who I am. And if you just point to yourself and say, I know who I am and who I am is bigger than any naysayer. It's bigger than any person who wants to keep me down and keep me bound it's bigger than anybody out there no matter what law or rule or policy they want to create to keep you out that the naysayers don't matter to God you can't listen to the naysayers to shape your faith but you have to step out on your own and understand that your belief is not built on what people may say on what they may build or what they may construct but every system has to come down because the Bible says that at the name of Jesus every knee has to bow every tongue has to confess that he is Lord you see sometimes believing seeing is not always just believing. My brothers and sisters, not only must you not listen to the naysayers, but I am convinced that we struggle with this identity that we sometimes will choose the negative over the positive. People had already said that Jesus had risen and he was going around getting ready to feed people and dead men don't usually eat. Thank you, Dr. Sears. But we have to realize that sometimes we want to find ourselves in negative company, find ourselves always listening to the bad words. People say that misery loves company. Isn't that true? You love those who, the people love to be around folks who always have something negative to say. Come here, negative Nancy. Come here, negative N Nelson. Don't you tell us today about how you just want to stink up the place with your negative attitude. Oh no, mom, negative Nancy tells us, negative N Nelson tells us today, oh brother, you know, y'all really just think y'all just too good over there in this particular area. Y'all trying to do too much. You're trying to have all these types of lights. For what? <laughs> you know, come on. God don't take all of that. You know, all this stuff y'all trying to do, this doesn't really matter. Negative Nancy wants to tell you, oh, let's just stay here on Zoom. Let's just have phone call conversations because we don't really deserve to have all these big things. We, we keep ourselves in this small box. We're, we're not going to be on the next level of ministry because we don't have what it takes. We, we don't have the budget yet. Negative Nancy wants to try to find every excuse in the book in order to keep you from going to the next level. Well, I'm just like the witch in the whiz. It tells me, don't bring me no more bad news. I, I'm tired of you coming to me with a, a bad situation or a bad report each and every time. I'm tired of you telling me something that's negative that's happening and who ain't doing this and who's not doing that. Please leave your stinking nasty gossip at home. My Bible teacher used to tell us that garbage in and garbage out. But when you decide to put good news inside of you and I hear 
I'm here to share to, with you this good news that Jesus Christ is risen and he is risen indeed. And, and because he is risen, I don't have to have any more bad news in my life. I can realize and believe the report of the Lord that although man may say no, that God says yes, that although there may be a report of sickness that's happening, that God will turn it around, that even though that things may not look like as it should be, but God says that if you believe in me, that all things are possible. Don't bring me no more bad news because sometimes the skeptics will want to hold you back. Sometimes the skeptics will want to be the naysayers and they want to be the loud people in the crowd. Sometimes they will want you to believe the negative or the positive. But what God does best when we allow God to meet us right where we are is that God gives us an, an encounter. That when we meet God, when we see God, when we experience God, that our lives are changed. Here we are back in the text that Jesus pops up and appears to Thomas. Thomas makes his declaration that I have to see the marks in his hands. And Jesus says, well, here are the marks. Here I am. Don't you see me? Here, put your hands in the holes where I was nailed to the cross. Put your hands in my feet and see exactly where they held me up and where I bled and died, where they pierced me in my side. Do you now believe, Thomas? Do you now believe? And even though we don't know whether Thomas, is, Thomas really touches his body, the scripture does not say so, but the fact that Jesus even gave him the audacity to say that if you didn't believe what the women and the men who preached the gospel said, that I'm going to give you this encounter, that what happens with those who are skeptics is that they become doubt, they change from doubters into worshipers. They move from being on the lap to being in the presence of God. That what God does best is that when we get into the presence of God, it changes our atmosphere so that we have no but no nothing left but to bow down and worship God. Thomas starts to declare about the goodness of God. He says, my God, my God, and he breaks out in praise and breaks out in worship because his doubt has turned into belief. Yes, he now believes Yes, he sees that Jesus has raised from the dead and he sees him for himself. Every time in the Bible that somebody encountered God, they, their life became different. It caused them to have something dangerous that happens in their lives. And let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, when you get on your knees and pray, when you set the atmosphere in your home, it will cause a transformation to have to change in your life. And it will cause some demons to now be on attack and on guard. And it will try to break you down. It will try their best to, this, to destroy you. But I declare that God is bigger than those enemies. God is bigger than those devils in your life. And evil won't have the last say that all you have to do is open up your mouth and worship the one who is encountering you. As I close this message, a few years ago, technology and innovation met and they came up with this idea around introducing holograms. In particular, if you were like me, I did not get a chance to see Michael Jackson live on a stage. I saw the videos on YouTube and the experiences of where he performed um, on concerts, on television, and all the music videos, and seeing Michael Jackson every time he made an appearance. And I always said I wanted to see Michael Jackson. But it was the This Is It concert that was his last concert. But they found a way to make Michael Jackson into a hologram. 
so that they could build other concerts and experiences where Michael Jackson would appear and dance on stage with the band. And the people went up for it, y'all. They started buying tickets. They were going to the crowds because they believed in the hologram. They talked about bringing Whitney Houston back and making her into a hologram herself. And people went for the idea for a time. But there's a time and place to the fact that the hologram will eventually go off. The lights will close and it will dim. And the people who are running the hologram will go home. And there will be no more Michael Jackson, no more Whitney. The band will play on the stage and they will play with the playback and the voice, but still no physical presence of Whitney or Michael or any other person they make into a hologram. I love the ideas of holograms because it helps us to have this idea and the belief that we can actually see it and then we can believe it. But what happens when you cannot see it? Does it mean that they did not exist? Did it mean that they were not the greatest entertainer and voice of our time? Did it mean the fact that they were not excellent in what they did? No, because seeing is not always believing. And I am so grateful that even though Jesus, the one who they have tried to make an idea and an idea, a character around for so many times, every, when you think about Jesus, you may see a character that might look one type of way or might look something else. But the Jesus that I see, the one that's in my heart, it does not matter whether or not I have a hologram or not. It doesn't matter whether or not I can see what he looked like or where he walked or not. It doesn't matter whether or not I know how tall or how, how short he was or how fat or how skinny or chiseled he may have been. That does not change my belief system. My belief is because of the fact that there were nails in his hands and nails in his feet and he hung his head and for me he died but it didn't stop right there. I'm so glad today that my belief system is not predicated on what skeptics may say, what scholars may have to say but my belief system is predicated on the fact that he got up from the grave and I declare today that if you put your hands in God's hands and put your hands in the places where his nails were once there. Put your hands in the holes of where his hands are. In his hands, the word says that you'll have power. Power to get up from where you are. Power to stand up from the grave. Power to walk and walk with your head held high. I declare today that if you believe that the one who got up from the grave and appeared to others ate with people, appeared like a ghost, that when you believe in the one, that your life shall be changed. And what's so great about Jesus is that Jesus did radical things. He was not meant to be ordinary. And when you serve a radical God, he deserves a radical praise. Radical about your faith. Radical about the way you live. Radical about the way you serve. Radical and not ordinary. It will not make sense. It's not meant to make sense. It's supposed to be radical because seeing is not always believing. You may not see how it's going to end up right now. It may look like you will never make it, but you got to do what farmers do. They plant seeds because they believe that their season is on the way. 
And what we're doing right now in this season, as we're now moving into springtime, is that we're planting seeds. We're planting seeds for the harvest that is yet to come, even in the future. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, but the best is yet to come in your life. I don't know where you are, maybe you're at your kitchen right now or at your sofa or sitting at your desk. Maybe you are questioning whether or not this is something that you can still hold on to because you're tired of trying to get up each and every day, tired of going to work and not seeing the fruits of your labor, tired of not getting to the level that you think you're supposed to be at. Well, it does not take away the fact that God is yet with you. I know we say it every week that God is near, God has never left you nor forsaken you, and sometimes it feels like you are alone. Sometimes it really may feel like that your destiny is not meant to be. But I want to encourage you today to believe in something that you cannot see. The developers and leaders of the church wrote and created the Nicene Creed, or also called the Apostles' Creed. And the first two words says, I believe. We say this every Sunday as a reminder of our faith, not just because it sounds cute at a moment in a worship, but it's actually a creed for us to believe. When I became a member of Phi Beta Sigma, we learned an oath and a creed. And it talks about what we believe in our ideals of how we are to operate in that organization. And just as I say those words, I recommit my dedication to what I have joined as an organization. But that oath, that creed, can never match the oath that I stay, that states when I recite the Apostles' Creed. And as I've gotten older, those words mean more each and every day. So maybe you don't know about the Apostles' Creed. Maybe you don't know really those words. But I want to invite you to believe. And if you would like to believe in something you cannot see and have the hope and the foresight to move and operate differently, then I invite you right now to receive Jesus Christ. And to do that, we have been stating that we are yet alive this entire year. And so if you would text YET ALIVE to 484848, I believe that God will meet you where you are. And it doesn't matter what church you belong to. It doesn't matter where you are. We just want to offer you salvation. But if you desire to join and be a part of the mission to get closer to God, then I invite you to get connected to this church, to give the pastors and the leaders, get invited, get connected to a body where you can experience this belief that you cannot see with other people. Because that will strengthen your faith. That will get you along the mission field so that you're doing something that's beyond yourself. We invite you to join the body of Christ, to join this moment so that we can encounter God, so that there are people in the world who still need to have hope. And you can be like Thomas, once a doubter, now a worshiper, and now a declarer of the goodness of God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for 
speaking to us today. Now, God, don't leave us with just a word or inspiration or stirred up spirit in our hearts, God, but move us to be the bearers of the gospel, keepers of the word, declarers of good news, so that we can move, God, from resurrection all the way through the life of what it means to be a follower of you. God, the world needs to know hope. They need to see love even right now. So God, I pray for future ambassadors, future leaders, future apostles who will take the word from here and move it to a space that's beyond, beyond what our eyes can see. Father, we love you and we magnify you, God. And we thank you, Lord, for the world that shall be changed. God, we thank you, Lord, for how we, our service will be different, how the ways in which we operate in the world will be changed. God, we ask you, Lord, to consecrate us, God, where we are. Consecrate us in our homes, God, so that we might encounter you. For God, when we encounter you, Lord, our lives have to change, that you don't leave us, God, where we are. But you pick us up and you shape us, you form us, you melt us, you mold us, God. And so, Lord, we bow down and we give it all back to you. We give ourselves away, God, into the belief of something that we cannot see, even though it's crazy. But God, we have crazy faith. And we thank you, Lord, for your son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let every heart say amen. Hey, family, we pray that this word has encouraged and inspired you. And right where you are, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you can listen to the word of God each and every single week. If you want to know more information about St. Luke Garland or if you want to sew, please visit our website at stlukegarland.org. We'll see you next week.